Welcome to another episode of Brew Roots. I'm Erica. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that tells you the stories behind your favorite beer. Each week we take a look behind the scenes at the craft beer industry. This is Shane Noble from Battery Steel Brewing, Portland, Maine. And you're listening to Brew Roots. Well, hello. What up, what up? So we got a first in Brew Roots history. No Matt yes. today. It's not here. He will be missed, but there's more beer for us. All right, so how was your week, Erica? Oh, it was great. Yeah? yeah. What'd you do? What did I do? Just hit up a few breweries, had some beers. Nice. Lived life. Lived life. <laughs> well, that's good. Living is good. Yeah, good, you know, good. You know. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm on spring break right now, so I'm going to be going up to Maine. That's why we're recording yeah. today so early. So early. And I have to get it edited tonight. It'll be yep. fun. But we got a great episode. Uh, really in, excited. Yeah, no, really cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing uh, Battery Steel, um, and we met with Shane over there. Uh, Emily um, and Matt did this interview, so it'll be kind of cool to hear her voice again. Um, now, you you haven't had any of their beer, correct? I have not, sadly, right. no. Well, let me tell you, when Matt and Emily brought me um, a decent selection of what they had to offer, I was very impressed, nice. and I really wish I lived closer. Yeah. Um the two favorites that I liked uh, was the Avalon, which was a triple dry hopped double IPA. All right. Um, very tasty. Cool. Um, and then, of course, there's the Flume in the Flume 2. I think that's what they're really known for. Um, yeah, it sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. So. Um, they're both double IPAs. Uh, I really liked both of them. Um, Flume 2, I could see why some people yeah. do like that a little bit more. A little bit more richer, a little hazier in my from what I taste, yeah. but as we learned um, last night, um, my our palates aren't the aren't the best. Um, are what we thought they were. But stay stay tuned. There's a <laughs> story behind that. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna do the uh, the dessert beer. Ooh, yeah. Dessert beer time. Let's see. What do we got? Um, hmm. Peanut butter. Korgvova milk porter. I didn't pronounce any of that right. <laughs> Probably not, but that's oh no! Cool. You, you you take take a take a look. Let's see if you Korova? can do Korova. Korova, and let's see what's what's the brewery here. Gnarly barley. Gnarly barley. But it has a G in front of it. Yeah, it's gnarly. Is it? That's how you spell gnarly. Um, <laughs> see, this is why I do sound. Yeah, this is, this is why I'm saying this. Yeah, this is why this is why I shouldn't be allowed to do this right now. Um, Anyway, so yeah, it's a peanut butter, so you know, it's somewhat more normal, but I th- I, th- I have a feeling it's going to be very sweet and gross. Yeah, it might um, be. I got oh, a pilsner on, on standby here, <laughs> so I can wash it down. To and balance I'm, it out. Yeah, and I'm actually drinking a pilsner, not an IPA today, so we'll we'll see. Surprise, surprise. It doesn't smell awful. Okay, it's a good start. Um, I can definitely <laughs> smell the peanut butter, though. All right. And I don't know how I feel about drinking that. Mm. Um, I also don't eat a lot of peanut butter sandwiches oh. and really use peanut butter on a lot of huh. stuff. Um, I don't know why. But, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I grew up when we were going that to sucks. school and, like, there's that whole nut-free thing that went around. Oh, so then true. I just got used to not true. eating nuts or yeah. anything that contained nuts. Um, and it calmed down after high school, but it... I still, still never really did it. And it. now I'm in my mm. master's program and I'm still like, eh, huh. I'm all set. Huh. But anyway, here we go. <laughs> it's not awful. It it's kind of sludgy. Okay. It's kind of sludgy though. Kind of sludgy. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Like it 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 tastes like peanut butter at first, which is normal. I, cool. I would hope so. Yep. But then it like <laughs> the it name. thins out to this like really weird kind of tang to it i'm, I'm not sure hon hmm. you you try yeah, some let's, let's see yeah but i mean it's not well, bad though baltic porter i could see why let's see hmm. yeah strong in the peanut butter a little chocolatey but you, you taste that kind of like like that tang yeah there's that like a little like I don't know how to like. I don't know. Sludge. Tang is. <laughs> yeah. I want to say. Trying to sludge. find a word for that. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> oh no! It, it's but it's not awful. It's definitely not awful. It's yeah. Not awful. No, totally not. It's it's enjoyable. I I actually like it. All right. Cool. All right. Well, I guess I'll, yeah. I guess I'll drink this one. I'm not. Again, you guys didn't win. 
I, I don't like it, but I will drink it. <laughs> um, I've had okay. I've had to waste a lot of beer this week. I've it's it's been one of those weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that. It's like I got a whole bunch of beer from um, my mom's fiance, mm. and he was like, "I don't like any of this, but you'll like it." And I'm like, "Oh, great, awesome!" Cool. You know, Ryan Thanks. the Ryan the dumpster. Um, <laughs> so I can't tell you can after can, and he was like 100 percent right. It was all gross. Um, and it was off brands I don't even haven't even heard of before but I think he got it from a friend at work and it's just like that Christmas gift that keeps getting re-gift and then um, but (laughs) I I, yeah I put the end of it I threw it away I didn't try to re-gift it yeah Uh, saving another real MVP right here yeah Yeah. Um, but anyway let's move on Erica yeah what do we got next we got beer and wine hobby tell me more Tell me more. Yeah, so you get uh, 10% off your order online using our code uh, at Brewroots. Yeah, well, just Brewroots. Just Brewroots. Just just Brewroots. Yeah, no, this is the only time (laughs) that we're not saying at Brewroots. I know, I It's just Brewroots. And (laughs) what do you get a discount on? You get almost a discount on almost everything. Uh, You get it on classes, actually, too. Wow, that's new, too. That's new. Yeah, we had to stop the session last week because... Um, we thought that it didn't work that way. Yeah. Um, but great news. Now, yeah. Now you can get 10% off a class so you can learn to do what all these fabulous yeah. people are doing. Learn to brew beer, wine, make and cheese even. Yeah, cheese? Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I guess like tell me a little bit more about what you do there. Um, what What's your experience um, working there? Um, and how do you um, find joy um, in work, you know, because yeah. usually people who go to work don't like work, but it seems like you're really <laughs> happy to what like with yeah, what you I'm do. Pretty happy there for sure. I've been there for just over a year now, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've learned a lot about homebrewing, about the whole joy of it, and just the nuances and everything, and not just brewing beer, but wine as well. And we get a ton. I'm there, you know, all the time. So we get a ton of customers coming in who are new to it. You know, they want to learn how to jump in there's a lot of old timers coming back to it who took a break for you know 30 years and it's a it's a lot of fun it's cool it's that connection do people bring you beer to try sometimes sometimes yeah the good ones do yeah well that's always good you know i mean that's that's how like almost every single one of these breweries that we've interviewed started yeah you know they started just brewing in their home um one of the breweries that hopefully will be on soon we actually went um to like an off-site location um, where they're starting to brew beer before they move into their their oh, new cool. establishment, yeah. 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 Um, and it, it, it's just it's a lot of fun, and you get to really meet all of these brilliant minds. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna totally. make I'm gonna make a beer that tastes like this, and this is all the research, yeah, that I've done that goes into it. Yeah. So I find that I just find that a lot of fun. It is. It's really fascinating. Yeah. At some point, yeah. when when I'm not um, in my current establishment, <laughs> um, I will I will start brewing my own beer. It's always something cool. something I've always wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, no, I, I think I do. Um it's it's a lot of equipment to get started, but you know, it's just yeah. like anything though. I mean, you look at my studio, it's like you need the equipment you to start. It. Yeah. Um but then you then, don't really need anything else. Exactly, you know, so. yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not the same with sound equipment. You always need something else. Yeah. <laughs> always need something else. I don't know, it's kind of the same with homebrewing too. There's always some new gadget. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, maybe I won't. Yeah, this could be dangerous for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're going to do a little beer fact of the week. Beer facts. Introducing the Brewroot Beer Fact of the Week. Oh, Matt's not hearing that horn today. No. He loves that horn. He misses it. Yeah, he told me to put it in, and I thought he was joking. He was like, no, really, I want you to put that in there. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I guess. Anyway, so Erica, what's our beer fact of the week? I heard it's a good one. Yeah, no, it's a real fun one. So back in 2013, they did a census to see who drank the most beer per state. All right. right? So who's your guess? You know, I'm gonna. I would. I would go with Texas. Okay. I really like would. It, yeah. Um. I know. I'm probably wrong though. It's probably <laughs> some state that you just wouldn't think. You don't even know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All go right. for it. Who? So it's North Dakota. North Dakota? Yeah. What happens in North Dakota? Clearly nothing, just, right? Clearly just beer. <laughs> just yeah. beer. All right. Yeah, they drank uh, 43.6 gallons per person. 
What? It's a lot of beer. And then this, this was the span of the year, right? Yeah, that was for one year. Per person. Yeah. Wow. I don't know the math. That's probably a lot. No, that means, state. yeah, that, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, a lot. Of, that's a lot of beer. Um, so were there any runner ups? Yeah. So the runners up, uh, so New Hampshire, you know, what? I can close. totally get New Hampshire, right? you know, I mean, well, like where we're recording right now, you could throw a rock to New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, that's how close we are to the border. And you know, when I was a kid growing up around here, you just see all of these liquor stores and all of, um, yep. they have like just huge beer stores. Massive um, off the highway. Yeah. Real convenient. Yeah. yeah really <laughs> real convenient. Um, and you always like go to the beach and people are just like drinking beer and like the solo yep. cops. Like I can totally get that. Yep. There's a lot of beaches. So I get that. Who's the number three? Number three is Montana. Montana. Yeah. Really? I guess. I don't know what goes on there either. Not much. More drinking, there, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there's what? Na- some national parks up there. Yeah. You know, people go hunting yeah. up there. That's about yes. it. And yeah. drinking, I you, guess. Yeah, I guess drinking. <laughs> and maybe while you you drink while you're hunting. Uh, I would hope not. I would hope maybe. not, but that probably, that probably happens. <laughs> um, anyway, so up next, we got shirts on tap. On tap. All right. So as you guys already know, um, for all your previous listeners and for your new listeners, you go to shirtsontap.com. You can use the promo code BREWROOTS, not at BREWROOTS, but just BREWROOTS, yeah, just the brewroots one word, <laughs> and you get your first box for $5. That's awesome. So what basically Shirts on Tap is, is you can um, get a whole bunch of shirts from breweries from across the country. Yep. Um, hopefully, they'll be coming in our neighborhood pretty Crossing quick. Crossing our fingers. We're yeah. really hoping. Yeah, we're really hoping. I think that would just be a lot of fun getting involved with There's that. There's so many breweries here. There's... There, it just makes sense. All I mean, of New England. Yeah, all yeah. of New... There's just Come so on. many. Yeah. Um, and then... So anyway, yeah, you get your first box for $5, and then you get your next two boxes for $18. Which is it, awesome. Which is still awesome. Yeah. I mean, you go to breweries, and like the minimum They're is like 20, 20 maybe. you know, 20. Yeah. yeah. And that's maybe. Right. Yeah. So, no, it, it's a great program. Um, all three of us do it. Um, a lot of the breweries that we go to interview. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the breweries we go to interview also do it too. It's, it's just a lot of fun to support the other breweries and where they're, where they're swag. We do swag Saturdays. So, you know, keep up. Um, (laughs) if you have any swag Saturday picks you want to send us, us. definitely tag us and maybe you can, uh, be, uh, Instagram famous or Facebook famous because we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Yeah. Except for MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should stop that joke. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Oh, we'll bring it, it back in a few old. weeks. Yeah, we'll All bring right. it back in a few weeks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so we got a really cool episode coming up for you today. But next week we got an amazing episode. Um, it's going to be a content episode, and uh, we kind of did a little sneak peek last week. We're going to be doing Lager Madness. Lager Madness. Yes. So we had a lot of fun. We actually did the recording. Um, Last night. We're all still recovering. Yeah, as I'm still <laughs> drinking beer. Um, no, it, it was a fun night. We got a few other people involved, which was yeah. really cool. Um, and we were really surprised with what our palates were tasting. Yeah. And I don't trust my palate anymore. No. After last night, I really don't. Yeah, we were really confident on some of the beers. And then when we found out the end... We were, were, so compl- we were completely off. <laughs> so it was wrong. bad. Yeah, yeah, but no, it was a lot of fun. Um, the second half of it's definitely going to be a lot more fun um, yeah. because at that point we've had how many beers? Plenty. Yeah, beers. Pl- plenty of beers yeah. at that point. What was it like? Oh, there were 16 different breweries. There were 16 different breweries. There was two beers in each round. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Was and a then lot I beer. was the dumpster. <laughs> so when people didn't like the beer, they just give it to me and i just drink it Ryan was doing us a solid i was doing a solid i don't wanna, i don't <laughs> like wasting beer I, again i don't it's not it's not nice no it's, i it's, hear you to me it's just respect disrespectful okay, I, don't know. I can understand that yeah um but anyway so yeah stay tuned for next week but for this week let's uh go on to the interview with our good friend shane from battery steel brewing in portland maine in portland maine cheers guys cheers all right Emily, we are on our beer tour of Maine. We're not drunk yet. No, we haven't had any beer, had for any real. <laughs> but it's a little early. It's yeah. a little early still. The day is young. But uh, we are here at 
Battery Steel in lovely Portland, Maine. Yeah. We're here with Shane Noble, uh, one of the owners and uh, head brewer of, of Battery Steel. Excellent. So thank you guys for coming out and chatting with us. All right, so we always start the episode, uh, what's your first memory of beer? We know what your role is now, so. Oh, man. I guess uh, I remember my dad giving me a sip of beer at a party when I was like four or five <laughs> and absolutely hating it and my mom yelling at him. So that was pretty much uh, my introduction to beer. And what came after that? What was the next experience? Uh, probably being in college and uh, getting, you know, forced to drink. Mm-hmm. Like craft beers with my friends that, uh, you know, at the time I hated, but, you know, took took a couple of weeks of, of drinking them and then, you know, never looked back. That's not bad because no. you didn't have to start with, like, downing the natty ice or yeah, you just went straight into craft? Skip that whole thing. <laughs> nice. So. so I'm assuming you didn't go to college to just drink beer. What did you originally go to college for? Uh, I went to college for photography. Okay. So ended up getting my uh, yeah degree in photography and graphic design. Cool. So, and then while I was in college, uh, started working washing kegs for Gritties. Oh, cool. uh, back when there weren't really very many breweries around uh, to work at in Portland. So, and then stayed there when I got out and worked there for a decade. And then left with um, uh, the general manager and I split off and decided to open Battery Steel. Cool. And just rewinding a little bit, tell me about where you're from, where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in Gorham, so right outside oh. of uh, Portland. Um, yeah, then went to New York City for a while and then decided to come back and that's when I started working at Gritty's, going to Maine College of Art and oh, yeah, nice. haven't Mecca, left yet. Right? Yep. So what, what brought you to New York and what made you want to come back? Uh, I think I just really wanted to get out of Portland and thought that, you know, big city life looked really cool. And then after maybe three or four days of, of doing it, I pretty much realized that that wasn't my jam and. Tried to stick it out for three or four years and then decided I just needed to come back to Maine where, you know, where, where life is sense. good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it here. So you started keg washing and did yep. you end up becoming a brewer at? Yeah. Yeah. Very shortly after starting, uh, the, there was only three of us that worked in the brewery and, um, dude broke his foot playing softball. So I went to work one day to wash kegs and walked in the door and the brewer, the other brewer said, all right, get your boots on. You know, we're going to show you how to do this twice, and then you get to do the second half of a brew, you know, on Friday by yourself. So kind of trial by fire. and Nice. Yeah, wrote everything down and stressed out about it and called them probably a 100 times <laughs> in my one brew, and and then here we are now. Do you uh, do you remember what your first brew was? Uh, I do. It was Halloween Ale, which, you know, was one of my favorite gritty beers, like super traditional ESB um yeah really tasty nice and so coming out of that experience you're starting to brew at gritty's what makes you want to spin out and do your own thing uh i think it was mainly just you know i really enjoyed making my own you know recipes which they didn't you know i eventually started to work in portland down in the brew pub um so we got a lot more freedom to do what we wanted to do and then um you know really got really got psyched on making recipes and like learning the science behind it a lot more and then seemed like the best way to to keep that going was to just have Jake and I break off and do our own thing and you know the beer market was kind of blowing up at the time in Portland so we kind of just hopped on it and luckily landed out here on industrial way which changed you know everything for us because we didn't have to do any sort of advertising or marketing you know we just opened the door and the people come and people yeah. just walked in and luckily you know Allagash has been huge with sending people over and mm-hmm. you know letting people know that we were back here so for the first five six months everybody that walked in the door would be you know say the same thing oh, i've never heard of you didn't even know you were back here but the guys at Allagash or the guys at foundation said you know we had to stop by so we were very lucky to have that much support in the park for those who aren't from the main area may not be uh, familiar with the Industrial Way uh, location. There are, what, six, five breweries and then one distillery in the yep. what, 200 yards of each other? Yeah, yeah, stumbling distance for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and it's turned out a lot of different breweries in the past. Um, Bissell used to be here. Yeah, beer Bissell, company. Main Beer, Rising Tide. <laughs> uh, that's Kaya. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the brewery dog. 
um yeah now definitives over here so you know this has really been like the birthplace of kind of modern craft beer in maine and this being an area with such a concentration of breweries what would you say is the style of battery steel what kinds of beer are you guys brewing and um you know we do a lot of the hazy ipa thing Mm -hmm. um which you know we obviously love hazy ipas and just like to do those but now we're starting to kind of do some different stuff um you know doing some pastry stouts you know just some fun stuff like that but also trying to work in um you know we're just canning our our uh unfiltered bohemian pilsner on monday so that we were really psyched to do that um so starting to do yeah more of the continental style some farmhouse stuff some pilsners and try to you know diversify so that we're not just doing you know ipas and stouts and stuff like that it sounds like you guys are just big on flavor right yeah yeah yep but you know we're trying to bring in that like really subtle farmhouse thing you know Mm -hmm. without you know doing weird dry hops to it or adding fruit just like straight traditional old school pilsners you know really clean farmhouse beers that you know are just you know a good contrast to all the other really intense flavored beers that we have here Mm -hmm. and do you think it's it's an idea of we want a style for more people or you want to kind of turn people in a different direction where maybe they grab a couple of different things so that they have some contrast you know i i think a little bit of it is like a selfish thing for us for myself and the other two brewers is you know we really just like these styles of beer mm-hmm. so like we want to brew them we're very excited about it and we hope that in so far you know the, the pilsner has sold really well the farmhouses have been going really well so we've been able to uh you know have the support of our customer base that helps us continue to brew these beers but it's definitely something that we did almost for ourselves just mm-hmm. a fun project to work on hone in just doing really clean consistent beers so i want to talk a little bit about the space that we're in right now can you just describe what it's like what your capacity is and maybe a little bit about the different people working on the team yeah absolutely um so we'll, when we started we were just that one unit um so we're two bays right now. So if you came out to Industrial Way, you know, it's a, just an industrial building. So there are 1,500 square foot bays on two sides of this building. We started in just one. Um, and it was just Jake, my partner, and myself doing everything. Um, and then we got another unit, blew the wall down, added um, some 40-barrel tanks. Whereas before we were just using, you know, we had three 20-barrel fermenters and a 10-barrel brew house. Um, so now we've blown out the wall built a whole new tasting room over here um but we still wanted to keep that kind of vibe where you're really in the thick of it mm-hmm. so you know on the weekends we open up the other side of the uh the other bay that will shut down generally monday through friday so we can brew but then on the weekends you can get right up in there you I mean you could walk right up and touch a tank that's so cool you know we really we, foundation had that when they opened and i was always really psyched to go in there and you really felt part of it you know like you could see everything like there was nothing to hide it's just one open room so we've tried to keep that going um and then we got on uh two awesome brewers that have been helping us we got um a great girl in the tap room and some other people that fill in on the busier days so we've really lucked out and got like a, a good team of folks here that have helped us kind of progress and you know everybody brings something to the table so we're definitely really lucky to have that you know everybody is making it better brings something like i said brings something to the table that has you know elevated the whole feel here i think and how many are you guys uh there's three of us in the brewery and probably two or three people that work the tasting room uh my partner handles sales and distro and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it that's cool so it's still a really small team so very close-knit um yeah, you get that nice. feel coming in here. I really like that exposed concept where you're enjoying beer that you're watching being brewed right next to you. We saw that at 603 also. They have a pretty similar layout where you walk in and it just looks like, oh, oops, sorry. I didn't mean to walk into where you guys are. And then you're like, there's tables and merch, and yep. this is so cool. Which makes, you know, we've had a few, especially back when it was on the other side, there were a few instances where we were trying to, you know, like dump hops out of a tank or something and, 
and it's you know maybe rocketed some hop debris across the <laughs> but you know immersive experience yeah exactly you're getting the full like effect 4D. Yeah, yeah i feel like people probably like that yeah they were not you can't be mad at that they weren't upset yeah. yeah but you know that's that's not what you want to see happen let's talk about the ever-growing main beer community i'd say within the last five years it's kind of exploded absolutely um, what's your opinion of the main beer community um positive and negative uh, I, you know, I don't know that there's that much negative about mm-hmm. it, but I'm super happy to be here. Um, it has this kind of collective consciousness that, you know, you, I can call anybody in this city if I'm having a problem or a question about something and they'll tell you exactly how they do it, you know, and from what I've heard, there are some other places that, that it's like a lot more of a competitive feel where not everybody's very good friends, but in, in Maine, it, you know. We're helping everybody out. Like, if I need a bag of hops or if somebody needs a bag of grain, like, you can just call them up and go get it, you know? So I think that has helped elevate just, like, the overall quality in Maine, you know? Because when I started and I had questions, you know, because I come from brewing on, like, an old English system. So coming into doing it on, like, a modern American system, there were definitely some things I didn't understand and, you know, would go over to Foundation and they would just run me through everything, you know, print off uh, their SOP and just, you know, this is how we do it and this is why we do it. So it really cuts out a lot of, like, the, the learning curve, you know. And I think if you're doing it someplace where you're the only brewery around, you know, you got to figure all that stuff mm-hmm. out on your, yeah. on your own. Right. Or use the Internet or something. Exactly. Right. And, and that's, you know, got to make it a lot more difficult. Did you, um, when you were first starting, you mentioned Foundation. Who else kind of? helped you guys out and who are some some breweries that you're helping out now today um you know i obviously foundation allagash um uh austin street who's our other neighbor um those were like some of the biggest guys mass landing you know has helped us out a bunch uh letting us wash kegs over there when our keg washer broke or you know letting us mill grain when you know the our supplier forgot to mill a pallet of grain for us you know so pretty much everybody within like a, a 10 mile radius of here has helped us in some way and then now i guess there's really nobody that that we're really helping out now everybody seems to you know have established almost yeah uh, definitive when they were opening up you know we were you know glad to go over there and help them you know break down walls and you know do all that and dylan is a very good friend of mine the head brewer and one of the owners over there um but once they got set up now everybody's kind of just like a well-oiled machine so you know, but that still doesn't change the fact that sometimes your hops get delayed or, you know, a shipment of grain gets delayed. So people are always kind of exchanging raw ingredients, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So where can we find your product? Do you guys distribute to restaurants? What yeah. does that look like? Yep. Yeah, we do, do distribute to restaurants. It's only in Maine right now. Uh, we're about to send some beer down to Mass. Just cool. do a drop down there. Um, you know, it's getting to be pretty slow time of year for us up here once the tourist season kind of ends mm-hmm. so trying to keep it going full steam we have a little bit of beer that we can send down and just kind of spread around boston do a couple events down there but other than that it's pretty much from kittery to the mountains you know pretty much every better beer store will have our stuff um a bunch of restaurants around town uh portland that is mm-hmm. and then you know pretty much every almost every town has at least some place that'll have our beer that's cool. What is the beer that you guys are known for? Uh, Flume, definitely, which wasn't anything that we had intended. You know, it was just the beer that, you know, when, when Jake and I started brewing on, like, our little Blickman one-barrel system mm-hmm. in his barn, you know, that was, like, the beer that we just continued to work on and dial in. And, you know, it's just a Citra Mosaic double IPA, um, a bunch of English malts in it, um, really simple grain bill, but that was always the beer that people gravitated towards and all would always sell out the quickest so just sort of ended up becoming our our flagship beer for lack of a better term right like and that beer we always have always. how do you guys like come up with the names for these what's do you have a certain theme that you go for or is it just kind of what whatever strikes you uh we tried to do uh all the ipas being named after mountains because mm-hmm. oh, cool. i'm big on hiking and climbing and being outside uh but that was a we realized after a while that if we're going to keep making more beers, like a lot of these names of mountains are very hard to pronounce. 
So, yeah. you know, and there's definitely like a limited amount of cool names out there. So we definitely like cherry picked all of like, you know, Flume is uh, a, a mountain on uh, Franconia Ridge in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avalon is up in Crawford Notch. Kineo is a mountain up in Maine um, that's right off Moosehead Lake. Um, and your name, Battery Steel, is, is an homage to that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely this kind of weird fort that's out on Peaks Island. But, uh, now we're going to have to start probably figuring out what we're going to name our IPAs in the future. Because, mm-hmm. you know, nobody... Tri-Pyramid's a cool name, but, you know, when you look at that on a menu, that might be kind of hard to de- hard to decipher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let's, let's talk about the name, uh, Battery Steel. Where did yeah. that come from? I know you mentioned there's a fort, but um, talk about that and why it's important or why you named it that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, names out there to compete with. You know, a lot of trademark names. So you really, it was, that was one of the hardest parts about opening the brewery was finding a name. <laughs> Foundation said the same exact thing, yeah. Yeah, it's really hard, you know, because you don't want to get stuck with having to rebrand a mm-hmm. year in, you know, when that's like a real pivotal time for a small brewery. Um, so we just tried to think really local and, and both Jake and I had obviously spent a bunch of time out on Peaks Island, which is right off from Portland. It's like a... 10 15 minute ferry ride and there's this old uh you know now defunct um military battery out there that used to protect the entire gulf of maine uh, they had like two huge cannons um but as soon as they got them set up they invented missile technology so then decommissioned the fort hmm. so it's always just been this weird kind of concrete structure that looks out over like out into the atlantic um and it's kind of you know, every kid that's grown up around here has gone out and explored it. There's these long, dark, cavernous hallways, and, mm. you know, they do uh, an art festival out there. And um, back in the 70s, they had uh, an artist commission to come out and do these kind of, like, uh, positive to negative lines uh, on the front of the fort, and that's what our logo is. It's kind of like a homage to that mm-hmm. that time, you Very know. Cool. Now it's just all covered with, like, graffiti, but, <laughs> you know, it's still a cool place. And you said your background is in graphic design. Yep. And do you have a hand in any of the creative work, or do you guys have somebody that does that for you? Uh, no, I don't really. I, I'm part of, like, the conceptual part. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of the stuff we've done up until now, but I'm definitely, uh, you know, that I graduated college, like, eight or nine years ago. So, you know, without having – I wasn't in it. I was just brewing beer, so I got a little rusty. I mean, I still have the concepts, but, you know, my illustrator skills are not so good anymore. So now we've been... We have the creative mind, too. Yeah. So now we've been delegating that to to other people, other graphic designers, and and paying them to do our stuff. Yeah. I'm sure Adobe Illustrator has changed a lot over the years, too. It has. It has. Gotten a lot beefier. And I've got plenty of other things to fill my day with, (laughs) rather than trying to, you know, relearn that. But we just had... um, Katie Spafford, uh, local designer, do a uh, our Pilsner label, um, which is the first time we've really had somebody outside of the company like really work on a label for us, and it's absolutely awesome. We're, like so psyched that it you know it's the first time where we've asked for something to get done, and it came back and it actually blew your mind that it was so much better than you had envisioned it. So you know we're psyched to start to kind of rebrand and get some new labels on our hands now that. We've got a little bit more time to dedicate to that thing. Yeah. I think that really differentiates it on the shelf, too. And Absolutely. even when somebody's in a restaurant, seeing it on a tap. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, Emily, do you have any uh, questions about the brewery or anything more? Well, I like to talk a little bit more about you as a person. Yeah. As our interviewee. So, I'm curious to know... What you like to drink? What's in the fridge at home for you? What are some of your favorite styles? You know, I guess we're really lucky that we're um, like a destination spot for not only the craft beer drinkers, but other brewers. So we get tons of beer brought Mm -hmm. into us. So it's really, you know, we go through all of it. Um, Everybody that brings stuff in from, you know, like really bizarre sours to crazy stouts to just like traditional you know, English beers, um, you know, we really are very lucky with that. You know, we get beers that people don't ever get around here. So that's generally what my fridge is filled with. Um, 
just, just everything like that we get brought card in. The stuff, yeah. Yeah, because that's just awesome. You know, it's stuff I'm, I'm not familiar with. And I guess that's what's really cool about beer to me is, you know, trying new stuff all the time. And we definitely live, you know, pretty far away from, you know, major distribution hubs. So mm-hmm. we have a pretty limited selection that doesn't really change a lot. So, you know, outside of, you know, what we're producing here. So always psyched to try what other breweries are doing. But I guess typically, you know, I'm really big on sours now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, always psyched to have Allagash's stuff and, you know, getting into like the barrel-aged Brett kind of beers that we're slowly starting to kind of try to figure out. Um, and then just really clean Pilsners. You know, that's, I think, like, Portland-wide, like, that's what most of everybody in the industry is psyched on is just really clean Pilsners. Bloggers, I think that. that's what we're psyched yeah. about too. Yeah, it is kind of refreshing getting a, a nice pilsner, and you can have a couple. Absolutely, and you know, still love the IPAs, but after years of making and drinking and thinking about IPAs, to just have that super crisp, clean, real delicate pilsner is mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's do you refreshing. See, do you see the industry as a whole kind of maybe getting tired of that in the same vein, or is it still? I I think it's still going. The, the gas is still on for IPAs. But. I I think it is. You know, I guess we'll see because we're about to drop our first can run of of Pilsner. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess one of the uh, I don't know. I won't mention who it was, but somebody from a very successful brewery released a lager, and it was their worst selling beer mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. cans, but their best selling beer at the tap room. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works out because we do crank through it in the tap room. Like people love to drink it, but it also doesn't have that like that cool thing to bring like a four pack of lager to your buddy's house. That, <laughs> yeah. You know that maybe bringing some like more obscure beers. You know. So maybe there's just some kind of strategy behind it where you have to say like we can only we have to serve the majority of it on site. Yeah. Only distribute a small amount just to minimize the risk of nobody being interested in it because yeah. on the shelf I think it looks slightly less attractive than if somebody in a tap room recommends it to you and you try it and you're like oh this is great absolutely and you know we're hoping that we'll get you know we'll get into a lot of the nicer restaurants because you know Portland is like stacked with really high-end restaurants yeah. um, and I've always thought that you know hazy IPAs didn't necessarily fit into that kind of fit into a tap list at a restaurant like that. You know, it's just these really intense flavors where, you know, you're not going to this restaurant to, to eat this really nice food to have that kind of washed away with a hazy IPA. But, mm-hmm. you know, with lagers and lighter, more delicate mm-hmm. beers, you know, you can really start to pair them together. And then, you know, one doesn't overshadow the other, which, so we're really open that that's going to take off. Right. I am too. Just because yeah. uh, I'm big fan of lagers and pilsners we're not gonna stop yeah. we'll we'll drink all of it ourselves if we have <laughs> yeah. you know like we'll work through it as as just an industry so some of the beer that's being brought to you does that help inspire some future brews or is that how do you get inspiration for your beer absolutely um you know we've definitely had a lot of inspiration come in from breweries that we've never even heard of you know different ways that they've been approaching things um different flavors that they've kind of combined um but a lot of it, a lot of how we come up with recipes is just kind of us hanging out, drinking a beer after work, and just kind of spitballing about weird stuff. And, you know, and then all of a sudden somebody will have an idea, and then somebody will build on that. And then, you know, an hour later you've got some, like, crazy idea. And then let it sit for a day and kind of reapproach it the next day and, you know, with, like, a clean head and, you know, after not drinking three or four beers. <laughs> And see if it actually still seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it does. Or a lot of times you're like, all right, well, that's like, that's a bit excessive. You know, like, let's, this makes more sense technically to do it this way. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's just, you just kind of hang out and, you know, just talk about random beer stuff and things come out. So who's the main recipe person at Steel Battery? Um, Is it kind of a shared responsibility or? I, I up until now, I've done all of it. But, um. Uh, Groff, Matt Groff, uh, one of my brewers, uh, the Pilsner was all him. Uh, Adam, who's, you know, the, the youngest guy on the crew, uh, came in as a cellarman and then clearly had that so dialed in that we just started him brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's starting to, you know, make his own recipes. But generally, you know, we'll sit down as a group and and make them now, which I think is great because they come, 
they both come from night shifts, so they have a different way of thinking about it than I do. Um, and to really kind of, I think we've made better beers since more eyes have been on it, you know, mm. which makes sense. Know, I'm, I'm happy to do. Like, I don't want every recipe to be mine, you know. I like to have everybody included, you know, and even Julia will, you know, talk to her about flavors and, you know, even though she might not understand the, the technical side of how it needs to work, but you can still involve people in you know what you're shooting for like what's right. the end goal flavor because everybody can, yeah, yeah everybody can have a piece of that mm-hmm. now you're saying everybody do you elicit uh feedback from your patrons as well absolutely yeah yeah um we have a lot of friends in the industry that i feel like we can call on to like give us honest feedback mm-hmm. you know even if they don't like something about a beer yep. you know we don't want people to just be like oh yeah it's awesome and i think a lot of times in the industry you just want to be everybody's friend and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings so you don't you're not always like as honest so you definitely try to find those people oh yeah Yeah. of course everybody is we don't want to offend people but we had somebody tell us a couple weeks ago like i can't get better if you don't tell me what's wrong please like i am a scientist you can't offend me this isn't an emotional thing I just need to know what you're tasting and if it's good or not. Absolutely. And, you know, I think maybe some of that was from going to art school where you spend weeks, months working on something and then you put it up and it gets critiqued and sometimes they tear it apart. Yeah. And, like, after you've had your work torn apart so many times, like that soul-crushing feeling kind of goes away. armor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, all right, no, sweet. Yeah, you do hate that. Awesome. What, What can I do to make it better? And then that's how you really start to to progress and and without that you know you're always just kind of shooting in the dark in, in the world of social media we have a lot of noise sometimes uh, especially untapped or even facebook how do you uh sometimes filter through the noise of uh you know that's hard sometimes do you, you know? read your ratings on untapped or anything like that uh i do i i try not to like get too carried away like my girlfriend will definitely like rip the phone out of my hand if i'm sitting there <laughs> for too long because I'll, like, find one that I don't agree with and stress out about it. Right. Um, and that's definitely not healthy for anybody to do. Um, but I do try to, like, keep an eye on it and make sure that the beers are well-received. Um, and then, you know, try to look on other, you know, more, like, you know, beer advocate and stuff like that for people right. that are really going out of their way to provide these, um, you know, very detailed critiques of a beer. Right. Um, and I do appreciate that, and I do keep a very close eye on that to make sure that, you know, because a lot of times if people are are getting a can, you know, like, what what happened to that in transit? You know, how old right. is that can? Like, you know, we do keep cans here, but they're always kept in kind of like a an environment where we understand. So it's good to know, like, all right, well, if this guy had a can of flume and he's saying it's, you know, poured a hazy brown color, you know, then, okay, now we have issues. Like, what happened here? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on that level, it's also good to just keep your eye on all that. But you definitely, I think, have to take it with a grain of salt because, you know, some people just are going to hate beers. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be subjective about it no matter how hard they try. But yeah, so for the most part, you find that it's, it's helpful to read it. You just have to know when it's somebody's just flat out opinion versus, OK, maybe this indicates that there's some issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that can be a hard thing to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even for us, we, we face that as well. Yeah. Um, Okay, you have a guilty pleasure beer. It sounds like you went right into like craft beer, so I'm interested to see if you have a guilty pleasure beer. Domestics. Uh, You know, I guess I don't even really consider it a guilty pleasure, but I just love High Life. Yeah. Funny, we get High Life or PBR the most. High Life and tacos is a good combo. Dude, taco. Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I just want a taco. People always, (laughs) when they come over, you know, sometimes, I mean, we always have like a crisper full of High Life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes when people don't hang out with industry folks a lot, they're like very surprised to see that. Mm. Right. But um, because there's this like stigma that that's a bad beer. But, you know, as a brewer, like that is technically a very good beer. And to reproduce that on that scale on in many different facilities is like an engineering feat of genius. Oh, like yeah. That is so hard to do. Yeah. And people forget that. And, you know. I'm glad you, you you mentioned that. I mean, it yeah. is consistent if you have a bottle. Can it's very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that and I love that. You know, and I get that there's like politics to it, that you know, 
uh, we don't I don't want to get into obviously <laughs> you know like but just on a strictly technical level like mm-hmm. those are good beers and sometimes after you're, you're here just drinking IPAs and making sure that everything's legit you know I don't want to go home and have an IPA I just want to go have like a nice crisp clean lager mm-hmm. you can't eat a filet mignon every day you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes yeah yeah exactly agreed yeah it makes everything else kind of have some appreciation for it right yep. both it's sides of the spectrum yeah I mean it's just a good go-to when you're out somewhere and they well, don't I'm have good. anything super sophisticated but yeah. you know that you're going to get something consistent yeah. exactly like marginal craft beer through a dirty draft line <laughs> isn't always the best thing ever but that you know that I bottle of Coors shy away yeah is always for that reason gonna taste legit yeah. so no matter where you end up you know that there's something you can get that should theoretically be consistent yeah, yeah and depending where on where i am sometimes i'll just have them pour a sample for me of the craft draft lines because i like you said you don't exactly know what you're gonna get you don't there's the a lot of variable. perception is that it's better but yeah no. you it, might be better off with a bottle of high life or a Bud light that's tough when you do distribute your beer. Absolutely. Because right, because you can't control what happens to it or how long it takes them to sell all of it. And so the product's going to be different when it first gets shipped to them versus when they finish off the keg. Because breweries yeah. are always going to have that meticulous attitude of, we need to clean our, our yeah. draft lines, right? You know, we're a, you, yep. I've seen the insides of kitchens yeah, before. Like, this so is so our bread and butter. This is what we yeah. do. Yeah. And luckily, you know, we're still small enough where they think we can keep it at places that do treat the beer a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, they do service, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not out there on the front lines. Like, I don't know what's happening to that beer. And I've definitely, you know, had our beer in places and, you know, thought this is absolutely not right. Like, we got to mm-hmm. pull this. And then I'll, you know, on, on beers that we've had on draft currently, and then you go back to check that beer and make sure that the one you're pouring at the tap room isn't, you know, doesn't taste like that, and and it doesn't. So, that is like a concerning side to it that, you know, is very very difficult because once you start spreading yourself all over the place, right, you like can't. Once you're growing. Yeah, you can't make it to all those, and especially with like the rotation of, of draft lines where you know it's really more of a like, most bars don't have, you know, one beer on draft. They have like eight lines, and they're constantly fluctuating what they have. So you never know when you're going to get on tap or how. You know, if they've poured that keg that they bought last time yeah. and they're buying another one. So, you know, that's that's distribution for you, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can speak to that as a former bartender. I used to have to change out the kegs and I knew for a fact I wasn't changing them out often enough. Yeah. And I could see the difference in the pours over the over the weeks. We would have this one Belgian white on tap that was really good when you first got it. And it wasn't too green when we would get it shipped, but... After a couple of weeks, like it wasn't the most popular selling, but there were people who would just come back for it, and we just didn't run through the keg fast enough, and you'd get to the end, and it would be like opaque. Yep. I'd be like, I can't even sell this to you. I'm going to go to the basement and change the keg out. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, craft beer is not, it's not like Bud Light. You know, you can't just like let it sit there indefinitely and tap it without any kind of, you know, any loss of flavor or any kind of, you know any degradation of of the product used yeah because it's bad for their brand too you know this was a brewery that i appreciated that was local to me and i was like this isn't good pr for them when somebody sends a beer back because they're like this is like alive right now yeah it's so thick with yeast so so what's uh what's next for you guys where do we see you guys uh evolving to uh you know i think we're still trying to figure that out i guess um you know we're running out of space here you know, there are no more units uh, mm-hmm. available for us to grow into at the moment. So um, we really got to figure out what we want to do. Do we want to keep growing? Do we want to keep it as we are and, you know, and stay small? Um, we don't we don't really know yet. But, but I think, you know, I think we would like to keep it getting bigger, you know. But we just have to figure out the right time to do that. Mm. Right. And it's unfortunate it's very fortunate that we're here. It's unfortunate that there are only so many units like available here. Right. So now we're kind of forced to either, you know, if we want to add more tanks, we're taking up tasting room space. So it's damned a, if you do, damned if you don't. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And and leaving industrial way is not something we want to do. It's just too good of a too good of a scene here. Yeah, you, it's a you, nice nook. 
you come out here in the summer and the place is just always popping off like every weekend there's just tons and tons of people line out the door every day so it's really cool to be a part of that and now we're starting to do like events kind of as a park you know we did the gastro go-go and you know now we're kind of we'll have djs come in and play for events so you know it's a really fun place to have a brewery we're just unfortunately limited to our square footage right now in a perfect world if you could stay what would the new steel battery look like Uh, unlimited money unlimited time you know i think we would probably add in some obviously some vertical or some horizontal lagering tanks um and just some room to do the barrel project that we really want to start um would i think would be the first thing that we would do um because one of our brewers uh handled is very psyched on on uh barrel projects and has run and controlled an entire barrel project down at night shift for a while so you know and that's something i'm not particularly familiar with so learning that process is really exciting for me and i know he wants to get back into it so you know we're gonna find a way to do that one way or another Mm -hmm. it would just be a lot easier if we just had a little more room here and what about front of house would you keep it in the same style that you've got it now where people are exposed to the process or would you make it a different experience i I like this, you know, I love being in the middle of it. I don't, I want to see the brew house, even though I know for us that that is a much more of a pain because you want like those tanks to be like shiny yeah, and like everything looking real tight. And sometimes, you know, like there's a lot of dust. There's a lot of stuff that gets blown all over tanks and, you know, and you can't just wait till the end of the week to clean it now. Right. Like we want everything like polished and looking tight. Right. Whereas if, you know. If the public wasn't exposed to that, you know, you could probably get away with having a little bit more dust kicking around. But um, I don't know. I think for we'll always keep that kind of mentality where, or that always, that kind of feel in the tasting room where you're really in it. You can see everything because, you know, that's it's just part of craft beer, I guess, to me. Yeah. Is knowing like, you can see, you know, come in here on a weekday. Like you can see us brewing on the other side. Like, you can smell it. You can talk to us about it, you know. You can see the whole process from start to finish right here and then try it. You know, it has gone, you know, 10 feet, you know, from the fermenter, or the conditioning tank to the cold room. You know, that's that's awesome. We want people to know that, you know, that's how we do it here. So the general vibe for people coming in is really just being able to sit. We've got some picnic tables and just kind of sit back and watch it happen. Absolutely. Are you guys brewing actively when people are here during the day? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All the time. That's fun. Yeah. Do they ever stop you and ask you questions and you're like, dude, I have to get back to work? Yeah, that's the downside to it. Because <laughs> um, you want, like, because they're psyched. Yeah. And that's, like, one of the things about craft beer, I think, that is different than a lot of industries is, like, when people come here, like, they're pumped to, like, talk to you. And everybody is happy to be here. So you really get, like, a good crowd. But sometimes, yeah, like, you get some dudes that are, you know. They want to talk brew- beer. Yeah, yeah, brew on their own, and they want to talk technical stuff, and and you know you got like five things going in the brew house, and you know it's unfortunate you'd be like, look, man, I'm sorry, but like I've got a ton of stuff I need to do right now, but you know you always try to check in with them one more time, and give them your card, tell them to come in some other time if yeah. they want to talk. That's cool. Because yeah, we like we like hanging out with those people. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. So I guess in closing, uh, we always ask this: What are you most proud of? Does not have to be here specifically; it can be anything. I guess um, I would say like I'm just really psyched to be able to give people a job, you know, like that. That is something new to me. Like I've been a shift brewer and a head brewer for everybody else or for Gritties for so long that to like be in that position where you're creating jobs and trying to create an environment for those people that you always wanted is awesome. And it's something I think about every day. Like every decision we make, you know, is like, you know, how how would I feel if I was the brewer now? Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of the bigger breweries, you know, don't always think that way. And, and that's something we've learned from Allagash and Rob Todd is just like the way to really make sure that like you're thinking of your employees all the time and like giving them a room to grow, I guess. It's not just, you're not brewing my beer, you're brewing our beer, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how we try to keep everything here. It's not like, you know, yeah, Jake and I are, are two of the owners, but you know, we want everybody to feel like they have a part in this. And I think that really creates a much better atmosphere for our employees, but it also makes better beer and 
and we can go a lot further, you know, when you feel like if you want to make a beer, like we're going to talk about it. And if you think we should do it this way, then we're going to talk about it. And it's nothing's off the table, you know, like we're here to make everybody succeed collectively. And I guess that's what I'm most psyched about. Yeah. I have one question, even though I know we were going to wrap, but you were talking a lot about testing different things and trying out new recipe ideas. Do you guys have a sort of like pilot area where you can test small batches? Do you do that? Uh, we you do it at home? We, we do. Uh, we It's very rickety old, like half barrel system, but we're actually in the process of buying one, uh, like a nice streamlined one barrel system mm-hmm. with, you know, fermenters with their own glycol chiller. Um, but no, we just have a 10 barrel fermenter. So, uh, that's, that's tricky. You so know? let's go big or go home. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, I've definitely lost some sleep when we've just gone straight into twenties or we've done beers where we've gone straight into a 40 and you're like, all right, well this should work on paper. It looks like it's going to work and this should produce this beer. And, uh, and you just pray to God that it does because <laughs> I don't want to dump I don't want to dump beer ever, but when you get, you know, if it was just a barrel, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But now that we've, you know, now we're starting to brew some really weird stuff and do some, you know, a lot of outside the box things. So now it's become very obvious we need to get a pilot system that's easy to work on. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to spend all day doing like cleaning stuff. Like, you know, Anybody that's been a home brewer before knows like how difficult of and long of a day and how messy that is. Yeah. So we're gonna get a yeah like a one barrel system, throw it over on on the brewery side, and and then that's when things will really get fun again because now we can do all sorts of weird stuff that you know. It's a good risk. Ch- yeah. Good chance it might not work, but that's well, how you stumble yep. upon great things. Sometimes is you know pushing the envelope. That brings me one more question. Yeah. So we've talked to a lot of breweries who we're describing the experience of like you test something out, it's a big batch, but then something goes wrong one way or another and you have to dump it down the drain. And I don't know if you have an answer for this or not, but we had this one episode where we were talking about like the environmental impact of beer and like what you can do with the ingredients to just kind of try to recycle them in some way. Is there anything that can be done when beer has to go to waste or is it really just a, just have to dump it down the drain? Um, you can, and you know, and I don't know the legalities behind this, but you can distill it if mm. the beer fermented, you know, you can turn that beer into, uh, you know, run it so through a still. malt liquor or something. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've heard of people doing that in the past. Um, luckily we've only had to dump one beer ever. Mm. Um, so you haven't really been faced with that yet, but, uh you know, the reason we dumped a beer is we lost power, like, oh, immediately no. after filling the fermenter. And we were had no power for three days. So by the time the power came on, uh, the beer that we would normally keep at, like, 67 was about 94. Okay. So, needless to say, you know, we weren't willing to uh, see how that played out. Even yeah. to see if maybe if, if it did work and call it something else or, you know... We were so tight on a schedule at that point that as soon as the power came on, we dumped it and brewed it again. So. Yeah. But, no, I think there is, you know, some stuff you can do with it. Yeah. You know? We saw one, we were down at down the road in Everett, and they made this stout that was, I think it was like a barrel-aged stout, and then something went really weird and it soured. So they just jammed a bunch of blackberries into it and made it into this almost wine type of stout and it actually turned out really great and they were originally just going to have to toss it but we got to try and it was so interesting and i was like huh i know a few breweries that have made some stuff that they weren't psyched on at all and they were like well just throw it in a barrel yeah and then just like sit on it see what happens right throw some cultures in there and 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 just see what happens sometimes it works and i think more often than not when i've talked to people that have done that the end result was amazing you know, but right. the, the base beer was unsellable, you know, and you know, a lot of times it's not like a bacterial infection. It's just like, you know, just didn't come out how you wanted it to right. just say like something in the recipe didn't, didn't add up. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff you can do post, you know, post fermentation to change a beer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was curious about that. Don't dump it. Yeah. Just, you got to at least try to do something with it. Yeah. As long as it doesn't kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So where can we uh, find you on social media and more specific, 
specifically, where can we find you physically? Um, yeah, you can find us, I mean, always at the brewery out on Industrial Way in Portland, Maine. Um, and then, yeah, Battery Steel Instagram. I don't Steel with I think an it's e? just, uh, Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, S-T-E-L-E. Um, yeah, we're pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, letting everybody know what we're up to. Um, trying to keep everybody in the loop of what we got coming out. Um, you can check the website. We're actually trying to be pretty diligent on, on keeping that up to date, which is new. That mm-hmm. now that we have like taproom help and Julia's running the marketing yep. and stuff like that, we can, you know, she's she's very good at all that. So, yeah, if you want to know what we're up to, check us out on Instagram. And, uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out. No problem, guys. Thank yeah. you for stopping by. No it's problem. great to talk. Until cool. next time. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.